today we're we're talking about Wi-Fi 6E. And so what is Wi-Fi 6E? So Wi-Fi 6E is the marketing term that the Wi-Fi Alliance has assigned to the use of the 802.11ax protocol extended into this new six gigahertz unlicensed band. So the reason it's not called Wi-Fi 7 is because we're using the same protocol as Wi-Fi 6, 802.11ax. We're just extending it into new spectrum that was uh, previously unavailable. So Wi-Fi 6 um, has been around for a while. Uh, uh, in the enterprise space, those products have been on the market since 2018. And um, uh, the six gigahertz band here in the US was opened up uh, last year. Uh, and now other, uh, other regulators in other countries are um, doing the same or in the process of investigating it. So a little cheat sheet there uh, in that table on the left, just to explain you know, what the branding is, what the protocols are behind them, and what spectrum each of them uses. Uh, Wi-Fi 4 and 5, we don't see those terms used very much because they, you know, this branding was introduced with the release or with the introduction of 802.11ax. Uh, that amendment actually has not been ratified yet. We're still waiting on that from the IEEE. Uh, but we've already got the APs and clients out in the market today. So just to give you an idea of why this is such a big deal, why this is actually you know the biggest um the the biggest improvement in wi-fi in a generation is is you know have a look at how large that six gigahertz band is in the us it's 1200 megahertz wide more than double the available band uh spectrum that we have today which is a, a boon uh for anything that uh, where capacity is an issue. So um, when we take that and we and we marry that with some of the real world benefits of 802.11ax, so in my opinion, you know what we're really going to get out of 802.11ax is um, OFDMA, this really amazing ability to, for uh, multiple clients. Uh, to transmit at the same time and the AP to transmit to multiple clients at the same time. Although we're still seeing vendors try to sort that out. I think I think that'll work better in um, six gigahertz and I'll talk a little bit about that um, later on. 1024 QAM, that's the, the new modulation that allows for much uh, higher data rates than previous um, standards and then eight spatial stream APs. Uh, a lot of benefits of that, you know, the 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 headline about having eight spatial streams is now we can do, you know, really just really high data rates. But what's really going to be helpful from that is the ability to increase uh, receive sensitivity from combining um, all of those radio chains when we're receiving a signal, and also improve um, beam forming um, to improve SNR at clients. Um, even those that are not, you know, we won't have clients with eight spatial streams, but they will benefit from APs with, with that many spatial streams. Now, 
802.11ax has other features, target wait time, spatial reuse, BSS coloring. Uh, but unfortunately, you know, some of that is optional and we know that that means that support for optional features will be fragmented or non-existent. And in the real world, uh, that means that benefits are, are pretty limited from those things. So I think these are the three things that 802.11ax uh, brings to the table uh, that, you know, we will be able to take a lot of uh, advantage of. And when we marry that again with the six gigahertz band, um, and here's a more detailed look at it showing how big it is compared to the spectrum we have today. We've got in six gigahertz in the US against, uh, again, where we have 1200 megahertz of spectrum, 59 20 megahertz wide channels. So that's more than double the 25 channels we have in five gigahertz. We also don't have um, to deal with this DFS requirement we have in five gigahertz. So if you look at the five gigahertz area of this um, of this chart, there's those blue um, channels, and those are um, let me just bring this out. These blue channels have DFS requirements, which requires FCC certification, and that means uh, most consumer APs don't support them. So in residential areas or air, anywhere there's consumer grade hardware, we might only have those nine green channels available. Um, and six gigahertz, we don't have DFS requirements. We do have a new um, requirement called AFC, which we'll get into more um, as we go. Um, uh, but um, it, it's, uh, it's a big improvement. So what are the real world use cases, right? So, you know, if, if you want to boil it down, it's anywhere you look at a Wi-Fi scanner and see something like this, where every channel is in use. There's multiple APs on each channel and the, uh, you know, we're really starved for spectrum here. Um, this is just going to be a train wreck for performance because there's so many clients and uh, APs all operating on the same channels. There's not enough airtime for good performance. There's collisions. It's just gonna be a mess. And so high density, large public venues, uh, dense residential areas, especially those that are um, dominated by uh, consumer APs that don't have as access to as much spectrum anywhere congestion is a problem and and you know today primarily our concern when we're designing wi-fi networks is capacity we're trying to get the most capacity we can out of the network designing for coverage is easy um, but getting the most capacity out of uh out of our wlan is all about you know making use of this very scarce resource the spectrum and suddenly it's not so scarce anymore Right, we have so much more spectrum we can use to overall system perf uh, performance. Um, and then, you know, I think areas where you might want pretty high throughput, um, you know, if you really need more than 20 megabits per second, 
of real application throughput to a client, then Wi-Fi 6E is going to be a big help. I'd be careful, though, just to investigate what the real application requirements are uh, of the, the applications you have to support. Because I think there's a lot of marketing that's that's kind of bogus around Wi-Fi and and some of the use cases that are that um, Wi-Fi six and Wi-Fi six E, you know, will address. A lot of times we we're quoted numbers about four um, K and eight K video streaming that are um, that are actually derived from uncompressed video. Once you compress, you know, a 4K video stream, you can get it down in the 10 to 20 megabits per second range. And you can do that with 802.11n. So, you know, uh, you know, make sure there's a reality check. I also think um, AR and VR, you know, the lucky winner of our Oculus um, uh, VR headset, it's gonna work um, without Wi-Fi 6E. Um, so, you know, maybe future generations, more advanced versions will need a lot more wireless throughput. And I would suggest that YGIG or 802.11ay might be a better solution for that than Wi-Fi 6 and Wi-Fi 6e. I also don't think IoT is a great use case for Wi-Fi 6 and Wi-Fi 6e, just because the clients have, have to be support so many advanced features that are really designed for high throughput uh, clients that you know are a kind of a waste of money on IOT devices and if you're you know if you're deploying IOT devices at scale you don't want to be spending a lot of money on 802.11ax radio features that won't ever be used uh, I think there's better protocols for IOT but that's a different story um, so uh, you know What's the outlook with Wi-Fi 6E specifically? You know, what's um, what's out there and what's coming next? So, uh, first of all, we already have uh, consumer Wi-Fi 6E clients available. So, the Samsung Galaxy S21 Ultra uh, was recently released, and that has a Wi-Fi 6E chipset from Qualcomm in it. The iPhone 13 we can expect to come out at the end of this year, which is typical for Apple's release cycles. And uh, you know, my own personal um, feeling is that it will support Wi-Fi 6E. Certainly curious um, if if um, what others think. So drop that in the Q&A panel if you have some uh, insight there. Um, we will see enterprise Wi-Fi 6E access points. Uh, in the second half of this year, um, and um, we, what's interesting is you may already have clients ready and waiting in the enterprise for um, you to deploy those Wi-Fi 6 EAPs. Um, it's it's uh, in this case, you know, the the standout one is the Intel AX210 chipset, which was released actually last year. And, uh, and supports Wi-Fi 6E. So depending on your client refresh cycles, you may already have these devices out there uh, just ready and waiting for APs to connect to. And also, you know, this is a very good time to talk to uh, procurement or your uh, device, uh, you know, the, the, the guys that uh, 
manage and own the uh, laptops and desktops that ride on the network and encourage them to, hey, if if there's a hardware refresh cycle coming soon, let's see about getting a Wi-Fi 6E chipset in, the, in these uh, boxes that we're going to support for the next three or four years uh, because you know, this is coming soon and it's really going to be a benefit to any clients that, that can support it. Um, considerations. Uh, some, so, uh, you know, putting on my, uh, my hat of predictions and, and what we need to be thinking about uh, in the enterprise uh, for this new hardware, I think Wi-Fi 6E access points are going to come with some sticker shock. Uh, part of that reason is um, certainly historical. When we, uh, when dual band APs and clients were first released with five gigahertz support, they were so much more expensive than what we had before. Uh, additionally, we're looking at probably having a third radio to support six gigahertz in the access point. So we would need a radio for 2.4, five and six gigahertz. And those five and six gigahertz radios can have up to eight spatial streams. So if you also have a 2.4 gigahertz radio with four spatial streams, you've got 20 radio chains in a single access point. That's, you know, that's an incredible amount of radio technology packed into a single AP, um, something we haven't really seen before. All, all three radios will support uh, this very fast 802.11ax modulation, which will require, you know, very fast CPU and a lot of memory to keep up with all that. So that all all adds up to uh, a pretty significant increase in cost over, you know, what we have today. Um, something else to consider, you know, is, is not is are your switches up for the job of supporting these these new massive access points. Also is your cabling up for the job. So, uh, you know, I think a three radio, 20 radio chain access point is probably gonna require 802.3BT PoE, uh, also known as PoE++. And uh, it, that's the standard that can deliver 60 watts or more of power to an access point. I think we're past um, what, what is possible with 30 watts and 802.3AT. These APs will come with multi-gigabit Ethernet um, uplinks uh, that support 2.5 and 5, um, 2.5 and 5 gigabit uh, Ethernet. And um, you know maybe we'll see 10 gig Ethernet, although I think that's so expensive and probably probably not needed. But these are things that you need to be thinking about. Do you have Cat 5e in your buildings, and what does that look like with 60 watts of PoE flowing through each cable? If they're bundled together, you're, you could have some serious um, heat buildup issues. Um, so, you know, a really good uh, webinar we did previously with Devin Aiken to look into these kind of issues. And I would encourage you to look at that um, uh, on our YouTube channel. Um, so, you know, potentially a, a forklift of your switches to support this. And I think we'll see multiple radio configurations. So obviously the obvious one is that 
three radio AP we've been discussing, I think there's a place for a dual radio access point as well. So I would really love to see, um, you know, that three radio tri-band access point and also a companion access point that just has two radios that you can switch one between 2.4 and 5 gigahertz, the other between 5 and 6 gigahertz. The reason for that is if you could use both of those model APs in the same design, you wouldn't end up with any wasted 2.4 gigahertz radios. Well, the way we design today is we use dual band radios, uh, dual, dual band APs rather, um, in our designs. And if we're designing with high density uh, capacity requirements, we turn off half or more of those 2.4 gigahertz radios because they're just creating um, congestion. And, uh, you know, their coverage cells are so much bigger than what we have at 5 gigahertz. We don't need um, all those radios there. So if we had a, you know, if we were designing for five and six gigahertz, we could have a uh, tri-radio AP in those areas. We need 2.4 gigahertz coverage and then a, a two radio AP in the areas where we don't and still have uh, blanket coverage on all three bands. That dual radio AP, you know, may get away with, uh, you know, uh, less onerous PoE and, uh, 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 and switching requirements as well. So things to keep in mind. Um, you know, the other thing to keep in mind, with every new uh, Wi-Fi technology, there are always bugs, always. It's just a fact of life, unfortunately, in this industry. Um, and, you know, it, it takes time for uh, hardware, once it's released, to have stable code. Uh, that's really ready for production. Often the hardware comes out the door before the code is really ready uh, to live up to your expectations. And um, sometimes, you know, we see, we've certainly seen this with uh, previous generations of Wi-Fi where the AP vendors will, you know, design a, a new AP, say for 802.11ac, as fast as possible to get it out the door to address that demand in the market so they can say, yes, we have an 802.11ac AP we can sell to you. Uh, and then, you know, the the they will go back and, and iterate on the design and come up with a another, a second generation um, 802.11ac AP that uh, might be a little bit better in terms of overall quality and performance and have a longer lifespan in terms of support. Uh, so, you know, you, you just need to make sure you're on the, uh, you know, the right side of things there in terms of what makes sense for you and what your your risk appetite is. Okay, uh, so now we're gonna get into some, you know, technical protocol differences with uh, Wi-Fi 6E in particular. Um, so comparing Wi-Fi 6, 802.11ax in 2.4 and 5 gigahertz and Wi-Fi 6E in 6 gigahertz, um, there are some interesting technical differences. So, you know, in Wi-Fi 6, we still have those DFS rules in the 5 gigahertz band that are, that are hard to deal with. In Wi-Fi 6E, we have a, a brand new system called AFC, Automatic Frequency Coordination. And that only applies to access points used 
in outdoors with high power and with external antennas. <clears throat> um, so in most indoor use cases, we don't even have to worry about it. Uh, big differences in security though. Wi-Fi 6, we had actually all the same security um, available that we had before, WPA2, and we could just do open security, which is really no security, just an open SSID, no authentication, no encryption. Uh, and Wi-Fi 6E, um, we are limited now to WPA3 only and uh, opportunistic wireless encryption only. I believe the, the Wi-Fi Alliance calls that Wi-Fi enhanced open. So uh, sometimes you hear OWE, sometimes you hear enhanced open, they're the same thing. But what that means is in the six gigahertz band, all of our data traffic will be encrypted. You'll never see unencrypted uh, over the air traffic uh, in the six gigahertz band. But think about what that means for um, SSIDs that span the legacy bands and the six gigahertz bands. How will we be able to support our legacy clients that don't support these new security suites and our new clients in the six gigahertz band that only support these new security suites when they're operating at six gigahertz? Uh, channel widths are different in Wi-Fi 6. Uh, we could go up to 160 megahertz channel widths. In the six gigahertz band, it appears that we're limited to 80 and 160 megahertz channel widths. Uh, in terms of operating at the AP. Clients can use tw a 20 megahertz only mode that's supported native to 11AX, but um, it looks like APs must uh, support 80 megahertz uh, wide channels or greater. In Wi-Fi 6, we have to use uh, request to send, clear to send protection, uh, particularly when we're using newer features uh, for backwards compatibility, and we actually don't need that at all in Wi-Fi 6E, and I'll talk more about that um, in a few slides here. AP discovery in Wi-Fi 6 is just like it always was before. We're actively and passively scanning on all channels to discover APs in those in the 2.4 and 5 gigahertz band. 6 gigahertz is very different. So we have 59 channels that clients have to uh, do AP discovery on. And so what we've, what the IEEE has done is said, actually, no, if it, there are just uh, 14 preferred scanning channels that your APs should be operating on, or at least transmitting a, dis, a, a frame that they can be discovered with on. And clients only need to scan those 14 uh, preferred scanning channels or PSCs. The other thing a client can do, actually, um, is discover a 6 gigahertz radio from the beacon frame of an AP uh, that is op also operating in 2.4 and 5 gigahertz. So really simple but very effective. Uh, a client could scan the 5 gigahertz band. It hears a beacon frame on the uh, from an AP on a channel, and within that beacon is an information element that says, hey, I also have a radio on uh, on this channel in six gigahertz. So um, if the client wants to go to six gigahertz, it knows exactly what channel to look, look at first. So AP discovery becomes more complicated now.
Uh, I want to talk a little bit about spectrum rules. Um, this is specific, again, to what the FCC in the United States has decided. Um, and you might have uh, different rules depending on the regulator that um, is that makes the rules for the band where you are. But here in the US, um, the AFC requirement al almost never applies um, indoors. It would only apply indoors if you're using external antennas or you want to go above um, 18 dBm of transmit power in a 20 megahertz wide channel. And actually that, that um, limit increases as you go to wider channels. So most of the time we don't have to worry about AFC. We just, we can stand up our, our typical indoor omnidirectional and uh, APs and use the whole band without any extra considerations. It's, it's really, really awesome. Uh, if we do wanna, uh, if we do have special use cases that where we need more transmit power or external antennas, or we wanna operate outside, that's when AFC comes into play. Uh, but AFC is very different from DFS. Um, and I'm gonna explain that here in just a moment. Other things we, the FCC has decided about the six gigahertz band is we can't blind probe like we do in the other bands. And if a client, client can't just show up on the channel and transmit a, uh, a, a probe um, a probe request uh, without first hearing a transmission from an AP. Uh, once it hears a, a, an AP transmit, it can send a probe request. Um, and also, uh, we can't use uh, the six gigahertz band in the US for mobile hotspots. It can only be used on APs that are in a fixed location and are not battery powered. So uh, real quick on AFC, because this is something new to Wi-Fi, but it's actually uh, you know, a, 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 a framework that we've already had before. I think it first came about with 802.11af. Uh, that is 802.11af in the TV white space band. Um, and now we've seen a similar framework get used in the CBRS band, the SAS, the Spectrum Access System, operates very similar to what we're gonna do with AFC. But the idea of AFC is removing the requirement of an access point to discover incumbents like um, radar or in the five gigahertz band. In six gigahertz, the incumbents are fixed point-to-point uh, -point wireless um, uh, operators that have licensed and exclusive access to certain channels in certain places around the country. Um, so instead of having the you know access points try to listen and determine if an incumbent is there, like we do with DFS, which is really messy and hard to get right, we actually have a centralized system called the AFC. And what happens is the controller or the access point, uh, once a day, I believe, queries the AFC, and this is only if AFC is required, otherwise we don't go through all this, to see, hey, what, what channels are available? It tells the AFC um, where, where it is, where it's located, um, and AFC then takes that spectrum request 
uh, queries the FCC's license database and builds an RF model of what the incumbent use of the spectrum in the area that the access point is, what that looks like, right? And then based on what we're getting from the, the FCC ULS database and the AFC's RF modeling, it returns a list of channels that are free for um, the access point to use. So this is a huge improvement over DFS. We have certainty about what channels we can use really for the first time. In DFS, it's, there's a ton of uncertainty. We can set up APs to test channels and see if we're getting a lot of hits. But what happens in the future is anybody's guess. And in, in five gigahertz, some of those incumbents are military aircraft that could fly over and disrupt your, your whole um, WLAN kind of out of the blue that you've never seen before. Um, we also have problems with false positives in the in DFS radar detection. It's very hard for an access point to, to do that um, effectively. Um, and again, you know, most of the time we don't even have to worry about it. So this is, uh, this is all good news. Um, okay, so I want to get, uh, I want to talk about, you know, b besides the obvious uh, benefits of having more spectrum, we can use wider channels, we have less contention, less co-channel interference. Um, I think there's there's additional uh, potential for spectral efficiency gains over 802.11ax or Wi-Fi 6 in 2.4 and 5 gigahertz. First of all, um, you know, what we want to accomplish for the most spectral efficiency is multi-user operation. And in the legacy bands, well, first of all, for that to happen, the access point has to win uh, a, a TX op. In the legacy bands, it contends equally with all the other stations on the channel to win uh, that TX op. In six gigahertz, that doesn't have to happen. We can change um, the uh, EDCA parameters. So the AP actually wins the channel more often, which allows for uh, uh, multi-user operation to occur more, more often. We already mentioned how we need RTS-CTS protection in the legacy bands and in, in six gigahertz with Wi-Fi 6E. We don't need that. Um, and not just for because we don't need it for backwards compatibility, but there's a new field in the high efficiency preamble that declares the TX op. So in, in 802.11ax, all 802.11ax stations will set their nav timer from the preamble, which is a new capability that we can get the most out of it in six gigahertz where we don't have legacy clients. So I think all that op, uh, adds up to more opportunities for OFDMA in six gigahertz uh, versus the legacy bands. I also think spatial reuse, you know, if it gets deployed and supported, has much, uh, you know, will has the opportunity to to really have the positive benefit that uh, it's designed for. In the legacy bands, it it penalizes um, uh, clients and access points that don't support it uh, by, you know, them, you know, actually. Uh, not winning access to the the channel as often. 
So I want to illustrate this just to, to kind of show what it looks like. Um, so in, let's see, yeah, there we go. So in, um, in a five gigahertz channel, you know, the best case, so efficiency, when we're, we've got a lot of throughput or, or very busy channels um, is almost always we're still going to be using single user operation where one um, station, one client or AP transmits at a time. Um, the reason for this um, is we'll, we've got these 802.11n and AC clients that don't support OFDMA, of course, and they're going to live forever, I'm afraid, just like um, older fives that live forever in 2.4 gigahertz. I think, you know, it'll be a long time before people stop manufacturing 802.11n and AC clients. Even though the new standards are out, those old standards are lower cost and may meet the requirements of the device they're, uh, you know, the, that um, uh, they're being installed in. In six gigahertz, you know, we have the potential, this is, you know, again, best case scenario, we have the potential that the AP can win the channel more often and we can get this really efficient multi-user operation going on where the AP wins the channel, we don't bother with RTS-CTS because we declare the TX op in the high efficiency preamble and we go straight into downlink OFDMA followed by a multi-user block ACK. That's still multi-user operation. Again, the AP wins the channel, we do it again. And then, uh, you know, once, once we, you know, the AP is aware of buffered traffic at the stations, um, at the clients, which it's learning about, and I believe in those block acts, they get a, a, a the AP gets a buffer status report. Then it can send a trigger frame and all the uplink traffic from, from the clients that are associated can be transmitted at the same time as well. So, you know, the best case scenario, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, what the promise of OFDMA, which we weren't, we haven't really realized in five gigahertz and 2.4 gigahertz, we'll be able to experience much more often in the six gigahertz band. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, okay, well, that just about wraps up my presentation. Kelsey, I think we can jump into some Q&A. Awesome. Thank you, Jim. We've gotten a lot of great questions throughout the presentation, so we will try to hit as many as we can um, in our time left together. So our first question here is from Lee, um, and he says, Wi-Fi 6 has arguably been a bust with almost all AP features needing to be disabled because of client driver incompatibility. Any optimism on that being better with 6E? Yeah, uh, you know, Lee, I agree. It, it has been disappointing. We even have seen AP vendors at times say, just toggle off that Wi-Fi 6, um, uh, you know, toggle uh, until this stuff gets sorted out. Um, I share your pessimism. You know, 802.11ax introduces an incredible amount of complexity that we've never had in uh, Wi-Fi before. And it's unclear if we'll be able to really get this sorted out and get everybody kind of 
worked through all those compatibility issues. It's been three years, right? And we're still dealing with this. So, you know, time will tell. I think, you know, 6E has a lot more potential than the legacy bands, but it, you do bring up an important point about client capabilities and, and client um, compatibility in terms of uh, if all of that will be realized. Thanks, Lee. Our next question is from Chris here, and he says, for any client devices being upgraded to 6E, wouldn't that also require an antenna upgrade, or would 6E continue to the existing 5 gigahertz antennas? Yeah, so it will require new hardware. So you, you have to, you, you need a new chipset, and uh, the antenna specifically, you know, that's an interesting question, because there's not much spectrum uh, between the uh, the top end of the five gigahertz spectrum, you know, uni um, uni three, and uh, I want to say uni five is the bottom of six gigahertz are pretty close together. So potentially uh, the same antenna could be used, but you you know a lot often those are the chipset itself will have to be upgraded, of course, uh, to support the band. All right, thank you, Chris. Um, we have another question here. Let's scroll up here. Um, let's see. Where did this go? Okay, there we go. From David, we, he says, Jim, I recently read that five gigahertz wireless may have some impact on the client's ability to see slash use six gigahertz wireless. Can you elaborate more? Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good question, David. So one of the ways, um, five gigahertz will affect six gigahertz is that you can use the five gigahertz band for AP discovery in the six gigahertz band. So that that um, ability for a five gigahertz uh, AP to include an information element that advertises the channel it's operating in six gigahertz is how that would happen. So a, a client could scan all of five gigahertz and discover all the five gig radios and six gig radios at the same time um, so that uh, it can you know, zero in on the correct channels to scan in six gigahertz uh, if it's looking for uh, an AP there. But the standard will also support a six gigahertz only operation mode. And that's where those preferred scanning channels come into play. But also, you know, hope that most clients operating in a, a swath of spectrum that big are going to support 802.11k. So finding that first AP might take some time, but after that, you've got a very pared down list uh, from neighbor reports and 802.11k of uh, channels to scan to look for the next AP. All right, thank you. Um, another question here, and Jim, this might be our last one that we have time for. Um, sure. We have, how does a WLC slash AP know where it's located in order to pass that location information onto the AFC service? Is this an honor system that lets the admin of the WLC slash AP specify the device's location? Yeah, very good question. Um, I, well, it, it, uh, in CBRS, it is not an honor system. It, the AP either, I'm sorry, the 
the base station either uses GPS or there's a CPI that certifies the location information that's um, a licensed installer that certifies, puts their name on the location info that's submitted to the SAS. I'm not sure if that has been worked out yet um, in AFC, how that's going to happen for us in Wi-Fi. Uh, but I would refer you to the FCC's NPRM from April, where that ruling may, uh, uh, where, where there may be more details on exactly how that's going to happen.